0: but putting it in a structure and process and systems that have worked for me for the last 16 years that I've been able to make millions of dollars to help other people achieve it. And we call that, I call that the B print. All
1: right, everybody, welcome back. So we, this is the last, um, person we're going to interview and and you've gone through this journey right we've put ourselves in the right space the right mindset the right mind frame of uh, you've been learning you've been you've been growing you've been doing actual items and this one is, is really really hits home for me because not only is he a good friend of mine he's a good friend of my family um, but he has a, a phenomenal story um, what he's been through, where, he's, where he was, to where he is, and what he's doing, not just because he's been successful financially, but he's been successful helping people grow. Um, so this is the last part of the book um, that's going to tie it all together, and I'm, I'm super excited. So thank you so much, Brandon Holmes, for letting me be here, be part of this project that we're part of. Um, I'm not your sales guru, as people have found throughout this project, is I'm not the sales guru, right? I'm bringing on people as they are becoming the sales guru for them. So first, before we get into this, man, I'm going to let you take you know, five, six minutes, whatever, introduce yourself, kind of tell us a little bit of your background, what makes you, you You know, family lineage, uh, and then, you know, you can get us into your why.
0: Love it, man. Yeah. Grateful to have you here. Glad we could host this here at the, the beehive is what we call it. But um, yeah, I think for me who I am, um, I'm just, I'm just a guy that is super passionate about watching people achieve their vision And their dreams and helping them give them, you know, the direction that they have, that they know what it is, but putting it in a structure and process and systems that have worked for me for the last 16 years that I've been able to make millions of dollars to help other people achieve it. And we call that, I call that the B print. And, you know, that's kind of something that we've been able to do recently here. But the other things that we've done is um, I'm currently the CEO of a company called United Energy and also of United Builders. Um, I've been in the door to door space for almost 15 years now. And, um, yeah, man, I'm a, a a big, big advocate for family time balance. Uh, you know, I do stuff from coaching with my kids, footballs, or, um, attending my daughter's gymnastics and dances. And I always find time for my family. So, uh, family first and work first. People ask how I do that Talk about that later, but those are both my top priorities. And then God is what makes it possible in my life, and spirituality is very important to me. Um, yeah, and my background, you know, we'll get through that in the rest of the questions, but um, because my background just comes out in all of my stories, and you'll kind of, I think, have a better idea of, of where I come from and who I am when I tell the stories.
1: Nice, man. I appreciate that. So, let me set the stage for everybody. If you haven't done it yet, you need to go in. Um YouTube it it's on YouTube. I, this is how I find it. But there's a, in March first, uh, 2020, you, you came out with something called "How I Knocked 250,000 Doors and Became a Multimillionaire. Now I went back and I studied this interview because the the nuggets that are in this in this interview it's a, like a it's like a ninety it's an hour almost an hour and a half long. Um, it's it's a phenomenal interview. But I want you to walk me through four points, and because um, you've experienced this firsthand. Um, it, it's going to be great. So, so take us through those points. Take us through the the whole pressure. I, the one the one quote I loved is the pressure makes diamonds. You know, twenty six years old. You lost everything monetary, right? House, cars, toys, neighborhood. I mean, the monetary status was gone. In fact, you tell the story of how you put. Um, you know, you and your brother both snuck back into your home that was repo or that was foreclosed on. You took the light bulbs out the fridge so you could just go buy groceries for your wife and your two kids. Yeah. So take us through that decision, right? Not to, to play the blame game, right? But, but take hold and move forward.
0: Mm, okay. So first, uh, part of the question was big shout out to my man, Omar Elatar. So he, he runs the passionate few. That's his podcast. That's his that's his company. He's, he's done so many things. Uh, fun story is that I met Omar. Um, he came to me asking for mentoring and asked me to train him to become a salesperson. And so he was with me for almost two years, and he became one of my top sales reps. Mm-hmm. And after mentoring him and, and having him do well with my solar company and team, he went on and, and started this awesome podcast, and he interviews the Ed Milets and the Graziosis and the Tony Robbins and and he actually reached out to me and said, hey, man, I want to come full circle and I want you to come on my podcast. And it was a huge honor for me. So he came up with the title. He, he, he knew my stats just had, you know, he listened to me every day for two years. So he knew all my stories and he wanted to come and share it. So I'm very grateful for him for reaching out and putting me on to that. Um, it's actually what was the first step in, let, in, in leading me down the road of putting together the Doors to Success, which is my own podcast and teaching more of this stuff that you're asking about. So if it wasn't for Omar, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now doing this and that would never come out. So uh, shout out to Omar. Second, um, you're asked the question about that time of my life. Right. Um, I think, you know, we all go through phases. We all go through moments where life isn't going your way or there are so many external factors that are happening that you have no control over. And What I've learned in my life is that there are different times that you have control or influence over different things. And the truth is, as you narrow down the decisions that you can make to to affect or infect these different decisions, um, you get closer to who you are and you realize that there's only a few things you really control. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. you can control your time, like, what you decide to put your time into. You can dis- you can control your attitude, like, how you'll respond to things. And, and that's about it. Like, everything else people will say can go back into those two things, what you choose to do with your time and how you choose to respond to things that happen in that time. Right. And when this thing happened to me, we were part of a, a mortgage company that I would helped start. And with 2007, the mortgage world crashed, and um, we lost everything. Was car, my wife was at the gym, and her Escalade got repoed. Our home went into foreclosure. And it happened so quick in a short amount of time, as if people were around for the 07 situation. Um, the big banks were, were decaying from the inside, and so by the time it got to the surface, to the loan officers, and to the mortgage companies like us, it was like immediate funds were already dried up. There was no bank to bail out. Government wasn't even involved. Like it was over in a matter of a week. Right. So I stayed on and paid people, uh, to keep guys around as long as I could. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first decision I made that really helped people to know what kind of guy I was, where, you know, even our buddy or our boy Al was, um, Was there, and I made decisions to make sure that my people that had come on and worked with me and were there because I asked them to, I made sure that even when we didn't get paid as a company, we still paid them out on deals they had in the pipe Mm -hmm. at my demise to where we lost everything. When I say everything, I I had no money. Every credit card was maxed negative $150,000 on credit cards. Um, And foreclosure on my name. We were looking at filing a bankruptcy, um, and we, I had no source of income, and again, in a week's time. So I remember thinking, okay, what can I do? And it was almost fight or flight. Right. Like, how do I go get money to pay and put food on the table for my kids? And I always kept a good face and always told people we were doing stuff, but I remember just thinking, like, my wife was looking on KSL for um, – because my friend, Casey Boss, shout out to Casey. He allowed me to come live in his basement with my two kids. So we were living in Casey's basement at the time. Mm-hmm. And my wife was going through KSL to try and find like I think it was like a dresser or something that we could put our stuff in. And um I was like, Wait, are people selling stuff on like I got this epiphany like, I've got stuff at the old house that's not really <laughs> and I'm like I can go get the fridge, the oven, the water heater, the light bulbs, I, anything that's not. And again, <laughs> that, that made people like, well, that's not ethical. What you have to remember is that the bank was foreclosing on the home. And I actually had it for a short sale. Like we were had a short sale signed. The bank declined the short sale, which was they were only taking a $15,000 haircut on the short sale. Uh-huh. And they denied it. So then the guy went away and then all of a sudden we couldn't pay and now they're taking a the foreclosure and now they're going to go lose on a million dollar home, half a million dollars. Right. So I'm like, screw you bank. Like no one even knows my situation. You're talking about a, a $7 an hour employee who's making a just clicking a button on a computer and I'm going to, I just lost my home. Yeah, I'm gonna get my light bulbs. Like, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, so we went back in. We snuck in. I kn- they didn't change the garage code yet, obviously. So, we <laughs> punched the code in the garage, went in, in my my truck. We loaded up everything we could. I had one of those long uh, and duct tape. We undoed every light bulb in the house, and we sold it on like a, an eBay type software called KSL in Utah. And right. uh, yeah, it it gave us enough money to help hold me over till the next thing that popped up, which was going back and selling door to door. And so I think that moment helped provide pressure enough to say, what are you going to do? Are you going to go, are you going to take a, and get blame and wallow? And that started to happen. Right. I started to feel like the victim. Like I didn't have anything to do with this. Right. Like I was the good guy. Yep. I was doing FHA loans. Like we were doing good a plus paper loans. Like, and I caught myself in it, and I'm like, it doesn't even matter. Who's listening to you, bitch? No one cares. right? No one. Like, it's not going to change. Even if they did, it's not going to change what's happening. The only thing that you can affect is, what are you doing with your time right now? And how are you going to respond to it? How are you going to feel about it? And I remember I was looking out the window one morning, and I was meditating in misery, like, going through all my woes. And my wife walks up, and she she, like, put her hand in front of my face, and she's like, hey, what are you gonna do about this? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, what are you gonna do to help go feed our family? Like, you're you we made the decision that you would go slay the dragon, and you are the best dragon slayer, so go slay the dragon. Like right. she calls me out, and I needed that. And I and I will always appreciate her for that gut check moment. And I said, All right, and then my brain just started to fire. <laughs> And I just like okay, let's go sell. Let's go. Okay, how do I go? Let's talk this. Let's sell this. Let's go do. And I just rearranged everything, got rid of everything, got super lean. Where we didn't have, we sold all of our clothing. We sold. And I remember looking at my wife, being like, "I promise you, there'll come a time when I will be putting seven thousand dollars a month in your bank account just to go spend on clothes. You help me get rid of this, like, so we can make it through this, and I will have it come back to tenfold." And so she's, she jumped on it then, and, and, and that's always hard. But that was the, such a, 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 a low and a high right. point. We just talked about low and high. And I got grateful for what I had, my time, and I could be positive, and I went to work.
1: So let me, you know, we could spend a whole other hour just on this, this beginning principle, but there's two things that really stuck out to me the most is what, what internally caused you to pay everybody what what internally said look i care about you i care about you put it the skin you, you put trust and love in me so i'm going to take care of you because that's not the norm right the, you see these big corporations you see people hey we're downsizing we're cutting you you know but yeah i'm going to go get myself a 22 million dollar bonus this year right. you see all of that you know i get all that so the, the that question is, is what what inside said, I have to do this, or I don't?
0: Mm. You know, I actually never thought about that. That's interesting. Um, that's a great question. I think it boils down to um, my dad. We grew up on a farm, like a ranch, horse ranch, and we had 100 acres. And so he'd always use these analogies about life on the farm. And he, always, he taught me about the law of diminishing returns. And – um, And with that law, you learn that there are some things that are worth going over and above to invest in because it'll always come back tenfold. And that is in, you know, relationships with people. Sometimes when you go cut the field, you cut it long ways. Once you'll get a good return, you'll cut it the other way, you'll get a good return. But the third time, if you'll cut it a a different direction, it may not yield the same result that the first cut did, Mm -hmm. right? So, At the fourth pass, you're not cutting anything new. You could work harder and cut faster, but you were now, your return is diminishing in its value. So if that's how most of life is at some point, no matter how much harder you work, it's not gonna yield more results except with people. And my dad instilled that in me. And so I think if it was a driving factor, it was knowing that principle that I needed to invest in people. And I'm just a loyal guy. I'm a loyal dude. Like, I, I I am the kind of guy where, you know, once speaking of, take this moment to thank you, Red Bull, for being the unofficial sponsor of anything I do in my life. There you go. Uh, Kiwi apple is the flavor here. <laughs> like, once I find a flavor I like, I will go to the Get ends it. of the earth, the ends of the earth, to find this flavor.
1: <laughs> I love it. I got uh, uh, peach nectarine. Peach
0: in. nectar. Cheers! Cheers to Red Bull, pay me. There you go. My unofficial sponsor. One day they're going to sponsor everything. That's actually not bad. It's good. That's a good one. But I think loyalty, loyalty to me is everything. I would take loyalty over anything and everything. Like, and I knew that I would be calling on these friends, these close friends, at some point to um, come work with me again. And if I was to call upon them to follow me, Mm -hmm. then I needed to make sure and treated everyone. Right through any kind of situation because I make soul ties with everyone I talk to. Anyone that I want to engage with, when you're in my circle, you're in my circle right. until you choose to leave. Right. And if you choose to leave, I probably won't let you back in. And that's just but that's me. But if you're in there and I need you need to get paid, I will sell my refrigerator to pay you. Yeah. And that's I think that's the principle of loyalty and realizing that people is the best investment. Pause one second. Oh, you're good. Good. Too much?
1: I actually have never really had this one.
0: You want me to be quicker on my responses or keep talking? Keep going. Okay.
1: No, you just keep doing what we're doing. Thanks, E. Just got to make sure you get your good side. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, if you, you know, as you know, if you watch one one angle, yep. it gets boring. So you got to keep it bouncing, and then we'll use. I'll use some of these for some reels and stuff. So yeah. double it up. Got to my good side. It's actually this side is my way better side.
1: <laughs> That's funny, because you're always on that side.
0: I know. I right? I should because
1: you don't want to. You're your back to the door. Mm-hmm. Somebody come through that door. I don't know. That's a good point. We
0: need it. to reevaluate that. E. We got to see why do I always pick this side? I don't know why. Maybe I need to be over there. That's right. That's right. I know. I'm always, I'm always watching. I, I never watching. I,
1: every time we go out to eat, I always tell the wife. I go. I got to be looking at the door. Somebody <laughs> yeah, comes through that door. True.
0: That's probably. That's <laughs> a lot. Probably true to that. Get the
1: get the ghetto and be coming back out. I
0: heard that. <laughs> Thanks, E. So loyalty, yeah. I think I'm just a loyal guy. Like loyalty is the principle I think that would help answer that question.
1: Nice, man. You know, it it, it reminds me of a quote that I heard. I was in a conference one time before um, he became the president of the United States, and in this conference, he said, um, "The more people you help get what they want, you will always have what you want." Yeah, and it it, it I see this. I see this with everybody that I've interviewed at this point up to this point it's like they're always trying to give back right they get to a point they realize that their time is is valuable but you know learned knowledge is great but unshared knowledge is just wasted knowledge and I think it's so beautiful how you put that in there so but I want to get into this uh, another part of the interview that I absolutely loved, which is great. Y'all need to go. We'll, they'll probably put it down in the link below. We'll definitely put it down in the link below, but you talked about this, this will of life, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's the aspects, uh, spiritual, physical, social, mental, and emotional. So go into that for me. Um, go into that will of life because it wasn't like you focused on money. There was nothing in this will that said finance, mm-hmm. big house, you know, big car, I'm, bu- I'm looking now, now terminology now is called a boujou. I'm the boujou looking. Mm-hmm. None of that. So go into that for me of why this, this will of life is focused on these aspects and not just this monetary outward look.
0: Yeah. Great question. Um, before the mortgage company went bust, um, me and my buddy Casey Bauer were college roommates and we started to journal and put out our goals and came up with this top 10. And we started to write our goals. And that first go round, a lot of my goals were monetary. A lot of it was based on stuff, the house, the cars, my wife kept being an Escalade. I wanted this Mercedes and I wanted this house, a million dollar home. Like I had all this written out. And then um, I focused so heavily on it. And I, But I knew the other stuff, my upbringing, my grandmother had always t- taught me how to, every morning um, when you arise, uh, you face the east, and with the rising sun, you raise your hands above your head, and you just thank the creator for um, everything, just a prayer of gratitude, just a prayer, a straight gratitude, and it's hard to do. Um, and you even thank the creator for things that haven't happened yet. For example, I would thank the creator for my future wife and my future children and the lives that they would lead and the people that they would come into contact with and the way that my sons would be loyal and they, they would learn these principles. So I would like go into real, and there's four aspects that we I learned when we would do some, uh, some sweats and some other ceremonies where I would take what I learned there and I'd make it my own kind yeah. of culture yeah. with sales principles and success. I knew that stuff, but I forgot it when we started to make money I was involved in, in the uh, call the white man's world, right? When I started making and focusing on the monetary things. And then when the, when the um, mortgage company crashed and I lost everything like that, I realized that I had focused on the wrong things because I was so affected by it. It bothered me that I lost my status by yeah. my stuff. And so when I rebuilt it, I said, I'm going to build it on the principles that I know that I want to build my life upon, which are these five doors or avenues of set. And so my entire training from that point forward, my entire mindset, and I did this myself. I said, okay, there are these five, and this isn't my material. These are, this comes from Tony Robbins, from Zig Ziglar. Um, and so I, I took their teachings and uh, Stephen Covey was another big influence in my life. Yep. And I put these in place. And they all actually mentioned a financial one. They all talk about finances somewhere. And I just cut it out completely. I said, what would happen if I just didn't focus on it? I already lost everything. So this time I was like, let's not focus on money. Let me go become the best individual that I can be. Let me go get my life really balanced, really balanced. And let me think about this as a will. And on this will, I've got five spokes. And each of these are a spoke. And along my path in life, If I was to go, you know, spend my time in the mornings in the general's tent or the chief's teepee, we call it, where you spend your mornings getting prepared to go battle the day, right? And if you can stay in this tent and you spend 30 minutes a day on each of these spokes, in the week, when the week is done, you should have a really good, well-rounded humming tire that you can go flying down the highway on. And at the end of that road is, is financial is success in however you want to define it. But at least as a person, I'm going to be a good person and I'll be whatever I want to be in these different aspects of my life when I get there. Because the last time I got there and I wasn't who I wanted to be. So I'd learned from bad experience that I wanted to change. And so I shifted. Now. Even my, my podcast, Doors to Success, is where I teach people how to knock, open, and conquer the five doors of success, which are spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and social, right? Yep. Those are the five doors you have to conquer or you will be miserable. So we dive into those. We have psychologists come in. We have professional bodybuilders come in. And we go over each of those aspects and we train people on that mindset so you can become really good because you can't help it. And I learned this from James Allen, the book um, As a Man Thinketh, that you can't help by following each of those laws. I remember reading his book, and he says, Your mind is like a garden. And as you go through and plow and you focus on that law that makes you really good here, because you can have a man who's super successful and makes a lot of money, but is dying from cancer and will never get a, uh, you know, reap the rewards of, Following the laws of success around money because he didn't follow the laws of success around health or physical. Yeah. So unless you have all five humming, you're gonna miss a lot of it, and I did. So we revamp. I revamped my whole life. I built it around these five doors or these five principal or these five spokes of this wheel. And how do I track it? You asked. Was. I actually have a will. I have a will that I teach my guys to use and my gals to use, in you know, with my companies at United Energy, at United Builders, and with the B Print and the Door. I have a will, and each of them are a spoke. And I tell, okay, every thirty minutes every day. So there's five tick marks on each of these 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 each spoke, which represent five days of the week. Because I say, hey, Sunday is your day, your free day, and Saturday's your day to go grind. Right. Saturday's your holy day to grind. So don't count that. Don't worry about the general's tent. But you got. 30 minutes, each of these avenues, five days a week. And so you'll mark it and what you'll end up with, and then you draw a circle around it. So it's like a personal scorecard. And your will will be all sorts of skidwampus. And you can see where you're going to actually fall as you drive down the road or you're going to get a flat tire or you're going to hit a bump. And it's going to be really bumpy Right. If you, are, if you pray every day and you read the scriptures every day and you go to services every day, but you never go to the gym. You're going to have a really bumpy time when you try to go do something and move for the church. you got to go move someone's house. Well, if you haven't gone to the gym, you won't be of great service to that person. We actually have to go <laughs> serve somebody. Right. You can't fulfill that spiritual side if your physical side isn't ready. And that's how all of life is in my mind.
1: You know, what I hear, what I hear is you... You see this a lot with professional athletes right you get these kids that that come up from humble beginnings whether they're poor or they you know they come from wealth right and they 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 sign these massive contracts yep and they don't know how to handle the money it's not the fame right it 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 can be but it's the money aspect they they're they're financially broke broke in the sense of broke-minded yep and uh, what I'm hearing is when you attained all that at, the ver- at, the, at a very young age, I mean, 26, having that kind of, I don't know, any 26-year-old that is financially sound, I mean, unless your parents, you know, in- indoctrinated you, this is how you should do it with your money and use your money this way. But you hit a point where you were just financially broke. Mm-hmm. Even though you had the bank account, you're broke. So then when you, you didn't rebuild yourself, right? Because I, what I, I, the one thing that really I hate the most and I don't use the word hate a lot because it's a very, very strong word. But sure, is when people say, Hey, you know, if you fall down, you got to rebuild, if your house burns down, you got to rebuild. I'm like, No, you don't. Why would it? Why would I want to use the same materials to rebuild the house that was burnt? Mm. You get rid of those materials and you're going to find brand new materials, sure. And in, in, you guys, when you're reading this, you have to understand that Brandon used brand new materials, mm-hmm. and those materials were. The, the, the five aspects, again, we'll go through them, right? The, the spiritual, physical, social, mental, and emotional. He didn't mention anything about the monetary side. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is such a key factor because where you were now, then to where you are now, I mean, you're you know five, six times better than where you were then, which is fantastic. I love the journaling aspect. So I'm gonna spend a little bit of time with the journal. When you journal, because I know you journal, mm-hmm. you, have, you journal a lot. How has journaling changed for when you start? Well, first, let's, we'll ask two questions. One is, how do you start journaling? With people who've never journaled before, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm afraid what I write down. Sure. And then, two, how has the journaling over the years started? Because you even mentioned it with your buddy when you were in college. You, you're, the journals were monetary. Now they've changed. So teach somebody who's never journaled before how they should start journaling, and then those that are journaling, how to change that uh, that uh, style of journaling.
0: Yeah. Um, wow, there's a lot here. So I think that um, the first thing I would say is everybody, and I'm, I'll answer your question. You won't think I am, but I am. Ready? <laughs> I, know, I got you. So everyone, when I tell people my stories of my life that's put me here, Everyone's like, wow, that's a cool story. you got a really great story. Like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, wow, that's, I wish I had a story like that. And I always tell them, I said, you know what? You actually do. You just never took time to sit down and go back and think about what it, what happened to get you there, right? Or what materials you use to go build your house. You just didn't, you're not, you're not thinking about where it came from, right? And I and I know this because my wife is that way where she, uh, we'll talk about. It. She's like, you know, the only story that's great in my life is is the story of how we came together. And I'm like, that's not true. I know your family. I know your stories, and you have a lot of great stories that made you who you are. Right. So most people don't realize that because I'm going to tell a story, and it was like people. And I I just have thought about this a lot from my journaling, and so when people are like, um, "There's no way that's all happened," or "There's no way that." Well the reason why I'm I loved a journal was my grandpa was actually a professor at uh, Snow College which is down in E from Utah right and so he was my mom was an English major and so as I was gr- as I grew up, my grandpa would I would always send him my papers and he loved the red pen and he would grade my stuff and so I always took pride in reading and writing to help make my grandpa proud of me. Right. Right. So I got good at writing poetry or journaling or, and it wasn't like the coolest thing. So I never told anyone until like in seventh grade, I won like this statewide uh, writing competition and all my basketball, football friends, were like it's stupid. No one does that. And I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> stupid. I'm like getting on the bus to like yeah. go to this, like have lunch with the governor or whatever. But I think that that was such a, in, and indoctrinating part of my life, having my grandpa be an English professor and my mom be an English major, and I just love Shakespeare. I love, I love hip hop. I love anything that is is. You have to use eloquent rhetoric and how to place, you know, words and different amb- iambic pentameter schemes and why that works and how that flows and how that makes you why because of how it makes you feel. Yep. That's powerful as a sales guy now why I love sales so much is because through my words I get to construct any weapon of war I want. Yep. Through words. Yep. And I learned the power from my grandpa. And I what I and so if anyone thinks back in time, you have skills with journaling when you said teach people skills. I'm gonna say I think everyone has skills through first, second, third grade when you would pull out your little daily journals and you would write. Yep. You just forgot about it. So how to start? Just start. Just start writing anything from um, and there's a lot of journals out there now on how that helps to get you going uh-huh. so I think there's actually uh, greatest mindset um, has a journal out there he was on my show you know a month, a month ago same is Craig Smith uh, psychologist but he's, he's wrote he has written a journal that teaches you how to journal so oh, oh, nice and, and that's the one I gave you yeah, yeah so if you start open that and it'll actually tell you how to start journaling. So there's actually helps on how-to out there. And if you don't like that, then just get a piece of paper and start writing about your day. What happened in your day and people feel overwhelmed with that? Well, just find the one thing that you would wish to remember about the day or find one thing to be grateful for. So there's like hundreds of different formats to write and as the years have gone by, I have gone down and practiced all of them from gratitude journals. And so I'll give some examples. So a gratitude journal is... One, that you just write down everything you're grateful for or why you're grateful for it. Um, And some fun games you can play is you can give yourself one minute and have another person or a group or your spouse or friends or whatever, your company, your team, write down who can write down the things they're most grateful for in one minute. And if you can get to over 100 – call me and I want to do a little competition with you because it's something, it's a skill that you have to practice is journaling and being grateful. And so I always find the people that can do over a hundred and I like to talk to them and hear why they are so good at it because it's a hard milestone to overcome. Then you have like gold journals where you can journal your goals or your aspirations. And then you have positive affirmation journals where you can write out, you know, what you're, what you're grateful for or uh, things that power you up and that puts you in the right mental mindset. Or there's like, you know, biography uh, autobiographical, <laughs> you can write a biography type journal where you, um, just tell your story, right? Yeah. You can write a fictional journal where you can talk about things that you wish would have happened or anything you can to just start writing. There's power from the pen to the paper. Um, and you move your hand. I feel like it indelibly implaques something from your hand to your heart, to your brain. As you go through that process of moving your hand, writing a word, that goes into your heart and your mind and your eyes see it, that texting or thumbing something doesn't conquer anymore. Right. So if you really believe what the power of the written word can do, then that's the first thing you got to understand that. And then journaling can be fun, and there's a lot of different ways to journal. What am I doing now? Well, now, every uh, the journaling that I do now, I'm thinking which ones I want to share. I do so di- different things. Sure. I started with my kids... We would do every Friday, we would do our gratitude journals. So every Friday with my kids, we would have them do their gratitude journals and get through their, you know, their top things they're thankful for in a minute. And then I'd have them write down their top 10 goals. So we'd have their goal journal. And then the one that I've started to do recently was, um, I'm just thinking if I want to share this, yeah, I'm gonna share it, is, um, in life, you know, with relationships, there's good and bad times. Me and my wife went through a bumpy spot maybe a year ago um, on just we were not syncing up the way we should be, not understanding each other the way we should be, not taking time to listen to each other. Yeah, And I'm a big guy, a fan of listening. And so I was not fulfilling my job as a great companion or a great friend to her. I was being a great provider. I was being a great uh, confidant. I was being a great lover I was being a great financial whatever but I wasn't being a great friend. Yeah. That's a different one. So I said, "You know what? I want to do. Let's let's have a journal and let's write what we are grateful for from the other person because we were getting in this habit of blaming each other for things." And I said, "Let's just write down two things that you're grateful for the other person." So, we were almost in a spot where it was too hard to talk to each other about it. We were so prideful. And so you've done this, so let's write it. So we'd write down the things we were grateful for, and if we couldn't think of something, it was something that you were grateful for in the past or something that you wish that you could be grateful for, that you know was inside of them. And that one changed the game because now I started to write the things that I knew she could do and I knew she wanted to do, but I was holding her up. And after this process of, and we would write in the journal and we'd leave it on the other person's nice that she'd rather leave on my nightstand. And some of them, like if we'd have a fight, it would be like, I'm grateful that you're breathing. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like lame, like right. two words, right? Yeah. And then some were like three page novels where she just to pour her heart. And then I remembered she actually does care. She actually does love me. And, and my takeaway from this journaling exercise was um, I'm the one that is creating the blocks in her from expressing this to me verbally and it took me listening and reading to her writing that I was like, God, I'm not listening anymore. And it took like three weeks of this back and forth journal. And now we actually, that journal has served its purpose. We stopped writing in that journal, Mm -hmm. but it served its purpose. And now, I don't know how how you want to rate this podcast, but now all we do is we, it's turned into, I did it as a joke. I wrote about one fun Uh, risque night we had yeah, and I was thankful for that night she dressed up super cute and blah 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 and I wrote about it and now we write back and forth about the nightly escapades that we've had and it's increased our connection it's increased our sexuality it has increased every avenue our will of life has increased as we write down our interactions physically and emotionally so it's been cool
1: bro (sighs) That, I've never heard of that ever. First <laughs> off, I've never heard of that ever. I mean, I think, look, I mean, to be, to be the best in your profession, you have to remember those that are around you. And I, look, man, I'm just as guilty as is the next person. Right? I don't, I don't give my wife nearly the credit that she is. But I am good. I, I am going to do the. Uh, the husband and wife journal first. I do love the uh, the nightly escapade one. Yeah. That'll be that'll be fun to do. Um, and so, if journaling, let me just say it this way: journaling has I can already tell because journaling has put you into a better space of your of where you are both. You know, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, obviously, intimate with your wife, but it's put you in a a, a better business space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, you were just telling me earlier that uh, your company has been is valued by ninety or eighty six almost ninety million, mm-hmm. and I and I look at that and say to myself because you went through the refiners process mm-hmm. because you had to come to grips with who you really are, and you and you built from better materials right you focused on what was important, you've now created a company where, I mean it's a phenomenal company what you're creating but it's all done based off of this servant mindset mm-hmm. and I think that is amazing and it's a powerful because to be at top of your profession it, you hear this throughout John C. Maxwell talks about Andy Andrew talks about it, Ed Milet talks about right the servant mindset will help get you yeah. to that fourth cut that you were talking about earlier right it gets you to that cut where it is wow there's more here. There's more that I can work with, and I think that is, man. I think that is is so amazing. So let me. I'm going to ask you this question. It's kind of this is not a part of the question we have on here. So, you're you're native, mm-hmm. right? Native American. Most people know this is is, is Indians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm 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 half Navajo, oh, I'm half Scottish. You can tell me your your lineage, but how did? Because you don't meet. I don't meet a lot of very perfect or very professional or successful native americans right? we got jim thorpe we, well Come i on, haven't dog. met him i, I mean <laughs> I jim for jim, Ford, jim thorpe is my favorite athlete of <laughs> all time right, people right, always right, say right, right. but uh, it's not common in a world especially solar mm-hmm. right that you meet successful native americans so sure. help bring us into that space of how did the heritage because you, you like you talked about you can talk about it a little bit i'm going to private a little bit but you talk about going to your grandma's you know in the summertime spending time on the reservation if anybody is from the res or have been to a reservation you know it's a third world country Mm -hmm. you know so how did that part of the upbringing help shape what you're doing and what you're creating today
0: um golly that's that's so much I first want to make sure and pay correct homage to you know my family lineage and I don't take it lightly um, where I'm, I'm a white guy, right? Blonde hair, blue eyes. By all intents and purposes, I'm a white guy. And I'm not the guy running around saying, I'm Native, let me, sh- let me talk about it. I only select certain people to share with, not because I'm ashamed, but because of how other people, other Natives view that. And I'm very careful. Having grown up around that, I'm very careful um, to not have anyone want to um, be – feel disrespected yeah. right? and yeah. I and I understand that and I think that is a big hat tip to okay maybe you are you grew up around this right so <laughs> I think um, that's the first thing and the second thing is is that it goes mine is a unique situation back to a cool story where m- mine goes back pretty far um, into our So my lineage I'm actually Mohawk mm-hmm. okay we're Mohawk and My grandfather, well, how how do I want to say this? I want to make this part quick, though, for you. Um, Basically, my great-great-great-great-grandfather fought in World War II as a co-talker, was bunked with another man who was also a co-talker, and they spoke the Udo-Aztecan language, which was Comanche, and he was Shoshone, because as a Mohawk, he came across. My grandmother brought her family across with the Mormon people, She didn't like the Mormon people. They went and lived up with the Shoshone people because they were peaceful and they were natives that accepted the Mohawks from the east. So they were Mohawk implants of the Shoshone tribe in Idaho, and that's how he learned Shoshone. Well, then he goes and fights World War II, gets bumped with the Comanche man, and the Comanche man's name is Cliff Shibata. Well, as time goes on, that's my grandma's grandpa. So he came back, told these stories, and he never had any kind of missionary experience or whatever when he fought in the World War, he gave one man a, 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 the the good word, the book, right? Right, and the Book of the Mormons, I should say. And um, as my life went on, you know that kind. There was eras through Native history where you had the, the the missionaries on the res, you had the Native placement programs happening, and then you had an era where people were ashamed to be Native, right? You'd call themselves Black Dutch or Black. Uh, something, it was cooler to be black mix than it was to be a native American. Yep, And a lot of people have that, that issue in their heritage too. So, um, I, my grandma would, you know, I remember going to her house and watching her like talk to hummingbirds, like crazy stuff, like literally have hummingbirds in her hair and on her hands and in her shirt. And she would, and she taught me how to talk to the birds. Let's just call it that for simplicity's sake. So then when I got my mission call, I got called to Oklahoma. And when I went to Oklahoma, I met the family that my grandfather had given the Book of Mormon to. Oh, wow. And I actually, we connected. And through Sweat and a Sundance, actually I was adopted into the Comanche tribe. So that became very important to me because um, that was like, a family and a culture that I knew and I loved. And now it was super relevant for me. Yeah. And I learned so much about everything. I mean, I I can't even describe um, all the lessons learned, everything that, that, that taught me. But um, I'm, I, I feel like Family, the concept of family, the concept of taking care of, of your elders, the, the concept. So before my grandma died, we moved her out here, moved her out the res. We, she lived here by us for two years. We, we took care of her. And um, that was a tough experience, too, because you, you can't take the girl off the res. You just can't. You can't do it. She wanted to go back so bad. Yep. Um, learning that mindset and knowing what it was like to live in a trailer where we had to go out and we shared a hose that we would hook the hose up to our our trailer just to have a shower. Right, Like, that's today. That's happening right now. Like, people don't even understand that. And I think that having family, I mean, shout out to my Echowati family, shout out to the Shibata family, I mean, shout out to the Burkhart family, like, all my family members that I call my family and that would come drive here in a drop of a hat if I asked um taught me so much about love and giving everything you have even if you don't have anything yep that my sense of gratitude and my need for that family tribe yeah literally was fulfilled with these people that are still here today that still means so much to me that are I you know' I've, I'm even my kids, my children have their middle names are, are Comanche names after our, our grandfathers and great-grandfathers so that we have a sense of purpose. My kids have a sense of purpose in their culture, who they are, um, what their name means, who they got their name from, who was their namesake, what they accomplished. Um, I mean, we come from the line of Quana Parker, who came, who produced the peyote for the Native American church. My grandfather was Shavato, who his wife, Pahi, was Quana's wife, so... Knowing that in and of itself, where my daughter was learning about that in school last quarter or whatever, and she was able to, like, speak, and I came and taught. So it's just been a cool connection. And I – anyway, so I could talk for hours on this thing. But who's that made me? That has made me a very aware, a very grateful, a very loyal, um, a very compassionate person that, um, I mean – yeah. And that's, that has shaped everything in my life. So
1: guys, Does that I mean, makes sense. Is no, that what you want to do? That was <laughs> perfect because what you're, because in essence, it's basically saying when you study where you come from, right, yeah. when you, when you understand what people did, your ancestors prior to you and what it shaped, you know, you understand how to be the best version of yourself. Yes. You understand how to not only be the best version for you, but you understand how to extract the best version over the people that you, that you're, you're,
0: you're over. Here's a crazy story too, though. Like it gives you answers. Like, so I, I am a LDS person of faith, right? I, I left the church when I was 17 through people asking me to leave, however you want to call this, from my choices and then I went on a pilgrimage, and I came back to the church because I thought everything I'd learned, I went to Israel for three months, I went to Italy, I studied all the different religions, I came back. I went to the res, learned about my heritage, came back, and said, I still want to be a Latter-day Saint. Yeah. And because there's no other religion that believes that the Savior, the white God, Jesus Christ, came to America, and if you're Native, I don't understand how you don't love the Book of Mormon if you're Native and you know the tribal stories. Yep. Every tribe has a story of the white God that came to their people with the team marks in his hands, taught us how to hunt, fish, how to use the medicine. Every tribe has the story. I've talked to 55 different tribal elders, different, and they all have the same story. So there was no other religion. I talked to every religion that if you said, hey, answer me how my ancestors have a story about a white God that came and talked to their people. Yeah. Can I believe that and be a part of your church? No. He was only in Jerusalem. Okay, I, I can't talk to you anymore. So... With that being said, my grandmother, when she was Mohawk and she uh heard that there was um there was the uh, a white man that was bastardizing our family sacred stories. Our the Mohawks have a story that says that we came over the eastern seaboard tribes that we came over in boats shaped like turtle shells, and the great creator touched crystals in these turtle shells and they came under here to the turtle island, which right. is America. And that'sn't found in the Book of Mormon. Yeah. So the chief, um, who was name was Theano Gwen, he told his daughter, my grandmother Talitha Kumi, to go talk to this man Joe Smith and tell him to stop bastardizing our sacred stories and stop sharing them. She goes to find the prophet Joe Smith. She says, "Hey, please stop." He says, he gives her Book of Mormon and says, "Read this book, and if you um, want me to stop, I'll stop." She goes home. She reads it in one night. She goes to him the next day, and she was baptized. By him that next day. And then later on was confirmed by Brigham Young. Uh, yes. No, no. Sorry. By Hiram, his brother. Right. She went across. The, anyway, she was in Brigham Young's wagon. How do I know this? She kept a journal. So you can bring this full circle. Because <laughs> so I read about this yep. before I went on my mission. I, I My grandma had her journal. So I'm reading this. And I'm. She talks about coming across the plains without shoes with her kids. Yep. She married a white man. Because uh, her family ousted her when she went back to her dad and said, hey, chief, dad, this book is great. It's our story of our people. And he says, you're no longer part of our people. They kicked her out. So she went across with the, saint, the plains with the saints. She married a white guy, and she had two boys that went with her, two sons. Ours was, the, my grandfather was the second of those two. She remarried, had four half kids with this guy. He was abusive to her, as we read in the journal. She... Didn't like living with the saints because whenever there was native problems, she would come up to the camp and they would le- make her and her kids sleep outside of the circle uh-huh. because of the native problems. So when they get to Utah, she doesn't want to be with these people. So she takes her kids barefooted, hikes up over the Tetons, finds the Shoshone people because when they came through they were peaceful with them, and then she resides with the Shoshone people where she's buried. So here I am, an El Latter-day Saint guy, but I hate the Mormon people. I don't like Mormon. I think they're the most. I have a very very let me say, I hate's a strong word. You're right. <laughs> you're right. let me back up. I have a very hard time with Mormon culture in Utah. Uh-huh. Very hard time, and I never knew where that came from. When I read this, and it was something deep inside of me that just like really bothered me about how people are so judgmental, especially when they were kicked across 18 states. Like, have compassion. It bothers me. So. I'm reading her journal and I'm like, ha, I know where I come from. Yeah. I know exactly what this is how I feel. Like this, she's saying what, this is what I feel. So it was so powerful for me to read her journal. Yeah. And to see that that's, that's where I come from. No wonder I feel these feelings. It gave me so much clarity. And if you want to know where you're, when you want to, if you want to know how to get to where you're going, you have to know where you've come from. Yep. You've got to know your roots or there will be no fruits. So that's where I really came into love and passion and why I know my lineage and why this is all important to me is because I know the struggle that took to get my family here and through the wars they fought that wasn't wasn't our tribes that fought in World War II, had nothing to do with our people. Why would they go do that? I read his journal. Like, oh, that's where I get that loyalty from. Yeah, Or that's where I get the journaling desire from. Or that's where I get the disdain for – prejudice from like, Oh, that's who I am. And now I know how I can get to that. That's my trajectory. No wonder. Okay. Then let's set the right trajectory. So sorry to go off on a tangent, but if you don't know where you're from, how the hell are you going to know where you're going? No, that's, and it's beautiful
1: because you think about knowing where you came from, helped you get through eh, foreclosure, eh, whatever. What I mean, my people, my people suffered more My history suffered more than a financial setback. Right. And to be at a top performer, to be at a top level, understanding, like you said, the roots, so you know how to produce the fruit, it's embedded and it has to be embedded in us. And I think journaling at that point is just amazing because what's going to happen is, is not only are you going to pass that down to your children, and your children are going to be able to say, "Man, my dad went through X, Y, and Z," or from a, a professional standpoint, people are like, "Man, B. Holmes went through X, Y, and Z. If he can go through this, I can go through this, right?" Mm-hmm. And it's that story that we're able to tell and inject to people, right? It comes out, and so why are company? Why is your company doing so well? It's because you're deep rooted. You just don't know how to give up, right? It, you, it's just you're like, ah, adversity. I mean, come on, really? I mean. This is nothing. Grind harder. You know, grind grind harder. Grind harder, grind smarter. You know, and grinding smarter is learning from those that have been there and done that, and you're like, oh, huh. I'm going down this path. Mm-hmm. Let me make a, cor- a course correction real quick, right, and go down this new path that, that they're having and are all these paths that I think is fantastic. And I think that's the best it, ever that I ever think of as the best um, – description of why you should journal mm-hmm. fantastically. And I, I, you know, I don't journal nearly as much as I would love to, but man, after, after this, you're dang right, I'm going to be So <laughs> uh, It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So, Hey, we're, we're getting close to the winding up here, but I wanted to, I wanted to read this part because I wrote it down. It was part of the, the, your interview. <clears throat> you told a story, uh, right? You told a story about a block party in your neighborhood, and there were men going around and they were saying what they did for a living, right? Doctors and lawyers and specialists. And you, you talked about the inner turmoil you had with how do I make door-to-door salesmen have that wow factor, mm-hmm. right? And then you just owned it and you said, I'm a professional door salesman when it came to you and asked you what they did. And it just kind of like, all right. And they just kind of moved on, right? So get us in to owning the space, owning the space that you occupy. Yeah. Take us into that space of when you made that decision and said, I'm a professional door seller. We've, you've said it a couple of times on this, this uh, podcast and this, and this project is, you know, when you said, I'm a professional door salesman, mm-hmm. you owned it. You said, this is my space and I will own this space. Yeah. So take us through when you made that transformation of owning the space to help you become who you are and what you're building.
0: Yeah. I think um, everyone is going to have that moment where they have to make the decision. Are you full in or full out? And a lot of people that are trying or switching professions because most people that come to our profession or sales is either because you tried something and it didn't work or you need to get some quick cash or It's always a second. No one as a kid, like, what do you want to be? And you grow up, I want to be a professional salesman. Like, there's no kid running around saying that. Like, (laughs) especially, I want to be a door-to-door salesman. Like, no little kid. It's doctor, fireman, whatever. Like, no one is programming that into kids. And so people come find our profession by, I need a lot of money, I need it fast, so let's go there. So I was in that space with deciding, do I get back into money? Do I get back into mortgages? Do I keep doing these funds and raising capital, which is what we were doing before with the FHA loans? Or do I just, and I'm like three years into this leg of my door-to-door experience, and it was at this block party, and I've been toying with the idea, am I going to go full in? And by because of my actions, I'm an all-in kind of guy already. I'm yeah. always... Always, all in, all the time. Like, I just don't know how to half-ass anything to my demise. Like, <laughs> it drives my wife crazy, but if I start a project, I'm going to finish that project, even yep. if it's 2 a.m. So um, so because of that aspect of me, because we are going to hike over these Tetons barefooted no matter what, like, I am just going to jump in and be fully into this door door program, even though I'm mentally not convinced I want to do this long-term. Yep. So it took that moment in time where we were going around and casually speaking about it that I realized I'm going to have to publicly decide what I'm doing and let people, because we finally had bought this house and it was the first time we'd bought a house after the foreclosure. Yeah. We wanted to live here for a minute and I wanted to be impressive to my neighbors because it is what it is. And I had the memory. Do you really want to be impressive? for those things? Do you care what people think? Dude, that got you in the pickle the first time. Yeah. Do you really care? What, do do the, Are you really going to tell them what car you're driving right now? Are you really going to tell them which house you're living in? Like I, all this thing was going through my brain, right? Do you really want to like, and I thought about, do I say like I'm a, I'm a professional home security consultant or I I do the whatever. Like I was trying to find a sneaky way to like say it and whether it was by the sheer nature of the time wore down to where I had to say something or, or I couldn't come up with anything creative enough um, that I just, it got to me and I was like, shit, I'm all in. Like I am going to do this. And it was crazy because I decided in that moment that I was all in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I remember even like, yeah, I'm a professional door door salesman. Like I was like, okay, I, okay, shut up. I agree. Like I was talking to myself <laughs> and I said it to everyone. Okay. Yeah. I'm an, am a professional door salesman. And they're like, oh, cool. And they just skipped onto the next guy. It wasn't a big deal to them, but it was so meaningful to me because I just burned the ships. Yep. I burned them. So I'm all in, I'm going, I'm already all in, I'm already here, but I'm keep looking back at the ship. Because I don't like how it looks, but isn't that why I I got there? In the like, you know what? Torch it. I'm here. And mentally, I went from doing that year. I made two hundred thirty six thousand that year to jumping to over half a million just that year, because of my mental commitment. And the crazy part was, is I went back to work the next day like nothing had happened, and I just started to like pull dudes and recruit teams and. Built like in a matter of like four months, I built two more teams which doubled the income from that commitment mentally so now my actions aligned with my mind and my heart and boom it was game on game you know what I'm saying
1: game people I mean look you're learning from the top right this whole project has been learning from top people and if you're not gonna you gotta you if you're going to take Anything away, it's you got to be all in, right? Brandon just told you, you he burned all his bridges. We already heard about this from Corey Benson, right? Corey said he burned his um, a license to to own more um, car dealerships. Mm. Burned it. Everybody that I've talked to on this, and everybody who's been part of this project, they've all said you've got to burn, you've got to burn, so you can go. fire does an amazing thing right fire does burn sure but it also creates the the blue flame which is the hottest fire and that thing burning it can it can move anything it will attract those that you need to attract and it will repel those that don't need to come Mm -hmm. and i think that is that is such a key factor of all of this right Of, of everything and um the interview that I heard and just talking back and forth, I mean, it has been a fantastic, fantastic interview with you. I appreciate you just giving us some time, being part of this project, and it's going to be a, a fantastic. So, kind of to wrap this things up, um, tell everybody where they can follow you, your social media, your handle, how they can get a hold of you, uh, be part of that B project. I mean, that that's going to be that's fantastic as it is. So,
0: cool. Thanks, man. So yeah, uh, all of it. I'm at bholmes.life. Uh, and I'm also at the Bprint.life. Um, so TikTok is at the Bprint.life. Instagram is at behomes.life website behomes.life or behomes.com and um, and also the Bprint. So those are just the different projects. You can also come find us at United Energy or United Builders. Um, that's also UNTD energy on all social media platforms so those are the solar avenues and then i do a mentorship coaching one-on-one coaching where I teach people how to go achieve these goals and uh our podcast is doors to success so doors to success the b print b homes united untd you'll find me that's
1: right. he's all out he's sold out people and that's what you got to be all in sold out um last question before I let you go. Yeah. Uh, five books you'd recommend.
0: Oh, geez. So, um, that's not fair. Sales, leadership, or just top five, top five?
1: Top five, top five. Top five, top five.
0: Um, ironically, Traveler's Gift, Andy Andrews. Um, definitely number one. Um, Alchemist, uh, Paula uh, 21 Laws of Leadership, Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, Maxwell, and then... Um, uh, psychology is selling Brian Tracy for the craft. And then as a man thinketh James Allen. There
1: it is. There it is. Everybody. Thank you so much. B, um, you know, it means a lot. Means a lot to me. So we'll catch you. We'll catch you guys on the next time. But this is, uh, yeah, this is, um, I am not your sales guru. Appreciate you. Daughter. Thanks,
0: brother. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the doors to success podcast. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe for more. Visit BeHolmes.com for more information on how you can join the Bprint.